in order for the grandparents to care for the grandchildren, they need self-care themselves. The stress and anxiety of managing a child is also physically exhausting. It's important for the grandparents to find some free time for self-care. I'm Leon Guidry, and this is the Brother Be Well podcast, sponsored by Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative. Today, we're addressing trauma and healing with an emphasis on boys and men of color. It's about to get real with our hosts, experts, and guests. Gather around, y'all. Hi, I'm Michael P. Coleman, content director for Brother Be Well. One in 10 of the 70 million grandparents living in the United States has a grandchild living with them, according to a 2018 survey by AARP. The U.S. Census says 23% of African-American grandmothers are caring for at least one grandchild, and 6.1 million children live with a grandparent. Many children suffer from a variety of mental health disorders, and when they live in a healthy environment, those sometimes show up. But some children who have been removed from their homes come to foster care, other relatives, and sometimes grandparents after having experienced severe emotional trauma. It's important for grandparents and other caregivers to be aware of and alert to the behaviors that may signal a serious problem or disorder in babies, young children, and our teenagers and youth. Today, we're outlining strategies for grandparents who are caring for their grandchildren and offering tips for managing family emergencies. Trust me, you wouldn't want me to do that on my own. We've got a cadre of experts here at Brother Be Well to help us do that. And today's expert is Frank Peace Jr. He's a marriage and family therapist trainee with hearyou.org, one of our valued production partners. What's up, Frank? Good to have you here, Brother Be Well. Hey, how are you doing, Michael? Thank you for having me here. It's really good to be here. You know, I, I was just saying before we got started, it's hard to believe we've done group sessions before, but this is the first one-on-one conversation. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, same here. Let's get at it, man. Let's get right at it. Can you walk the Brother Be Well family through just how a grandchild might wind up in a grandparent's care? I touched on some of that in the intro, but could you flesh that out for us a little bit? Yes, definitely. There's many factors that grandparents might wind up with caring for their grandchildren. Uh, Factors that includes their parents themselves might have an addiction and struggle with drug and or alcohol. The parents are incarcerated. The parents are struggling with mental health disorders themselves. The parents are teenagers and are in experience in providing care for their children. Or there's a death of the parent. Or the parents are deployed in the military on a mission. And lastly, homelessness and a lack of financial stability to care for their children. I thought I was going to be ready for that list, Frank, but you you touched on a couple. I hadn't thought about younger, younger parents. We've got, especially in communities of color, young people having children fairly early. And so sometimes those older generations have to be called on to help take care of things. Yes. Um, they say taking care of uh, children uh, takes a village. So, um, yeah. and those young children that are having children themselves need to come to finish education, get employed to be able to take care of the children they produce. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Appreciate you walking us through that, man. Let's take a look at, at a child being removed from the home. I would think that Uh, someone being removed from the only home that they've ever known and being placed with even the most loving of grandparents. This isn't about, you know, (laughs) criticizing or beating up on the grandparents, but even the most loving of grandparents, the removal from the first home and only home they've ever known to that grandparents home, that could be very traumatic. If, If I'm right about that, could you affirm that? And then can you walk us through what some of the signs of trauma might be in children and adolescents? So we know what to look out for. 
Yes, definitely. And you are right, Michael. Um, separation of children from parents can cause trauma. There are many signs. Uh, the removal themselves can cause children to feel helpless, rejected, abandoned, and guilty. Signs of trauma in children and adolescents themselves can present themselves and have a difficulty sleeping, developing regressive behaviors. And that means the child or adolescent are behaving in a manner that are less than their age development. You might see eating disturbances where a child might eat too much or too little. You might see some separation anxiety, depression, and an increase in behavior problems or a decrease in school performances. And that's a really good list, too. And, and you touched on a few things there. So changes in eating habits, changes in, in overall habits, maybe. I was looking for a common theme there. But I, I guess a sign of trauma would be if, if your child in, is, isn't doing well in school where they used to, if they're not eating as well as they used to, or if they're eating more than they used to, that might be a sign that the home they came from may have introduced some some trauma. Yes, it is all about the child themselves trying to adjust to make themselves feel safe. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Appreciate you sharing that with us. I'm wondering, Frank, should grandparents talk to their children about trauma? I I would think of the conversations that a parent or grandparent might want to have. That would be one of the more difficult ones to talk to them about. I'm assuming based on what I've learned from people like you here at Brother Be Well, that it's a good thing to to give children a, a platform to talk about trauma. If I'm right about that one, can you tell us how grandparents can go about doing that? Just how can can a, a parent or caregiver go about talking to a child about trauma? Yes, uh, again, you are correct about that. Uh, grandparents should talk to their children about grandchildren about trauma. Uh, they're the nest to the care providers or guardians nest to the parents. Uh, the first step is not really talking, but really showing that you're present, consistent, and provide us the stability that the grandchild are not used to having. And then the next step is to provide an opportunity to allow the child to talk about what they experience, um, listening to them and being non-judgmental about what they, about what they hear and validate um, their feelings that they experience. And I would think, and I'm sorry, I've got so many, you got some great info there, Frank. So I got to unpack this. I would think that, uh, a natural tendency might be for the grandparent to to feel a little defensive. If if the child has been removed from their home, that that's probably the home of one of those grandparents' children. And so you, they're talking about family issues. And we all know people of color community, sometimes we say we don't want to deal with, with stuff right in our own home. But you got to give kids a chance to talk about what they've been through, correct? Definitely. Uh, children need to have that safe place to talk because if they don't talk, it will remain within itself and then it's like an internal battle. And so the ability to have them talk about it will make them feel more supportive and it also increases the, their stability and they can always come to their grandparents about other issues that may arise. Really, really great point there too, Frank. I appreciate it. I'm wondering how we talked about at the top that a lot of children are being raised by their grandparents. How might being raised by a grandparent affect the child? And I, I, when I wrote that question, I was thinking about in a negative way, maybe negative or positive. How might how might being raised by a, a grandparent affect that child? Yeah. So when I uh, got this question, I, I um, thought about the benefits uh, automatically. 
grandparents who step in and care for their grandchildren are amazing. Uh, raising and being a provider for grandchildren is not easy. So the benefit for a grandparent to be there is that the grandparent has that love and is invested in that grandchild's safety, as opposed to going to foster care where the children, the grandchildren don't know what they're walking into. But when they go to grandma's house or grandfather's house, they know, oh, I'm familiar with this environment and I feel okay compared to a foster care system. I think it's a beautiful thing that you took that question in a way that I wasn't even thinking when I thought about it. And and that's some great information there. I'm not a grandparent yet, so I, I wasn't quite thinking about how that can be such a positive thing for children. Um, and I, I love the way you put that. Really appreciate it, Frank. Um, the needs of a child, especially a very small one to anybody, can seem really overwhelming. And if you've been thrust into that in an unexpected way, we're talking about removal with with regard to trauma because of trauma. So something happens in that original home, sometimes that transfer can happen pretty quickly. And so caring for a child that you're not used to caring for might seem a little overwhelming. I'm wondering from you, Frank, a marriage and family therapist trainee, what are some of the first things on which grandparents should focus if that happens to them? They find themselves suddenly caring for a grandchild full-time. What are some of the first things they should be thinking about and focusing on? So the, one of the first things that the grandparents should focus on is child proof in your home and make it safe for the child. Uh, thinking about having a gate around a swimming pool, there's a, a swimming pool in the backyard. Child proof in the cabinets, uh, if there's cleaning chemicals there in reach of the child. Removing any sharp objects or lethal weapons that the child can get their hands on. Having a first aid kit available in case there is an emergency. Also having documents to um, that the that are uh, necessary for the child. So the medical records, the dental records, um, where the child go to school. Uh, is there a certain medication that the child needs to take? And what's the medication list? And how often do they need to take the meds? Uh, Social security cards and birth certificates. I'm, I'm glad we're recording this conversation. We probably should have asked listeners and viewers to get a notepad because you've given out a lot of great info there, Frank, and easily half of those things I hadn't thought about. So thank you for that comprehensive list for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, even the best of grandparents. And again, this isn't never was about we're trying to help grandparents do what they've been called upon to do. Even the best of those grandparents might be a little out of practice. I know for me, my children are, are already adults and they've been out of the house for over a decade. So I'm a little out of practice when I think about caring for little ones. You've just touched on some of those documents, um, birth certificates, social security cards, medical dental records. Can you think of anything else there? I was thinking about, um, uh, you think it might be important to have um, divorce records or, or, or child custody records. Maybe those, those children have already been in a home that's been split up, so to speak. So you might want to have some paperwork that, that documents you as the caregiver, does that make any sense? Yes, it does. Um, so court records are very important to have. Um, guardianship paperwork, which is uh, uh, created by the courts that shows the relationship between a child and a grandparent. And the grandparent assumes the rights and responsibility of that child as would a parent would if they went through the court route. Also an important to have is uh Educational records. So if the child is an individual education plan, also known as an IEP, 
those records are important because if they have to switch schools based off where the grandparent lived, they can resume receiving the individual education plan services at the new school. Um, before we move on, I'm not familiar with that individual education plan. And where, who generates that? The, the school does that? Yes. Yeah. So the school generates the individual education plan for students who have a disability to provide a supportive structure for that student to be successful in school. I've got it. Wow. Didn't know about that either. So I know a lot of our, our viewers and listeners won't be familiar with it either. Really appreciate it. One of the forms I, I have learned about during another Brother Be Well production, um, consent forms. And I'm told that they're critical uh, with regard to anyone that might be in and out of a medical facility, anyone being treated for a condition, and particularly with mental health uh, conditions. I'm wondering if you can tell us what are consent forms, why are they so important, and why are they so critical that they're, they've been completed, signed, and you can get to them right away if one of your grandchildren is in your care? Definitely. Consent forms are very important, especially when receiving are trying to receive medical treatment or psychiatric treatment. Uh, consent is the guardian providing consent for a child. A child cannot enter a contract, which is a consent. A child can't consent for themselves for medical treatment. It has to be a guardian. And so going into that process, the grandparents need to sign the consent form to authorize a medical doctor, a primary care doctor to treat their child for, for example, chicken pox. Or there's a cavity in their mouth, they need to sign that consent for it so their child can get the cavity addressed. So again, and, and it's important that you find a spot for those consent forms, get them, get them completed, signed, and have them really accessible in case you need to get to them really quickly. Yes. As I, as I think about all of this, Frank, and you've been providing so, so many tips and suggestions for what you got to have on hand, all the information that you got to have on hand, I'm wondering how effective a good old-fashioned journal might be. We, we all lean to technology. And in another Brother Be Well production, I talked about using your phone. We, most of us have smartphones. <laughs> but someone mentioned that you can't always unlock that smartphone. Many of us have passwords on them or facial recognition. So an old-fashioned journal and a pen might be a really good idea, I'm thinking. And for grandparents, that, that's more natural for some of us than it is for the younger generations anyway. Mm -hmm. How effective do you think a journal might be? And can you kind of walk through some of the information? You, you've done so much already, so I hate to ask you to do it. But can you walk us through some of the, the critical key information you might want to put in a journal right away if you find yourself caring for one of your grandchildren? Yeah, definitely. Uh, a journal is very helpful. Uh, not everyone is savvy with electronics. And then in case of an emergency, someone can pick that journal up and look and find some vital and permanent information. Uh, the type of information that should be included in the journal are the grandchildren's name, their date of birth, biological parents' name, telephone number, the school telephone number and name, their primary care provider, dentist, any outside care provider, such as a social worker or a therapist, their names, emails, and telephone numbers should also be included in there. Also to note, um, if there's any allergies that the children has towards any medication or food, should also be included in that journal. It wouldn't hurt. Some of the two things there, Frank, it wouldn't hurt to include 
to, for all the parents to have journals. We're talking about grandparents caring for care, but some of that stuff you rattled off, I'd have a hard time in an emergency. I'd have had a hard time with my own children, you know, remembering certain things that even things I might've known, but in, in, the, in the middle of an emergency or you're dealing with an emergent situation, you, you sometimes might forget some of that stuff. So I think keeping that journal is a really good idea anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's, let's think about parents and caregivers of any age. Um, sorting through the, the myriad of public service resources and information can be really daunting. Um, I've learned about a service, 211. The website is 211.org. And I, I'm understanding it can help you kind of cut through the clutter, so to speak, and point mm-hmm. you in the right direction if you're looking for services. You can just call 211. Can you talk to us about that service a little bit? Yes. Uh, so, and sac- also in Sacramento, we had a it's called, um, 211 Sacramento. It's a free information and referral service that's available 24 hours, seven days a week. Uh, they have a database of nonprofit, nonprofit and public agency programs and have trained referral specialists that can give you those numbers based off the need that you suggest. Uh, the referrals include, but not limited to, uh, employment and training, housing, uh, financial assistance, food program, legal assistance, child services, um, services for individuals with disabilities, and again, the other services that's available to the community. And you've also, um, I, I don't know that you mentioned just in case you didn't, I was happy to find that 211 services are available for people who, for whom English isn't their primary language here. And we're, again, we're in Sacramento. We've got a, a really large Latino population. Many people have Spanish as a primary language, a lot of different languages spoken in Sacramento. So if, if English isn't your primary language, 211 is one of the ways that you might be able to cut through some of that as well. Really appreciate yes. you walking us through yes. that. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, yeah. No, no problem. Just trying to help you out, friend. You got all the info. <laughs> I'm excited. Once for once, you, I thought of something that, that you didn't have on that list, man. So yeah. I really appreciate having you here. Listen, I, I want to talk about another uh, set of resources that I've learned about here in Sacramento County. Again, the mental health access team, I'm told, can be really helpful to families that are weathering behavioral health and other emergencies. Would you mind, again, I don't mean to overwork you, Frank, but can you talk to us a little bit about the Sac County Mental Access Team? I would think that they could be really helpful for grandparents caring for their grandchildren. Uh, Definitely. Uh, The Sacramento County Mental Health Access Team is an amazing department. Uh, They support all Sacramento County uh, residents of all ages uh, and referrals to full-service partnership or providers that provide mental health services they fall in different demographics. So, for example, if I had a teenager who needed some support, mental health, a mental health support, uh, they will look at referrals for the transitional age youth mental health, which are from age 17 to 24. And there's also childhood mental health services or older adults mental health services that are also available. Um, it's a gamut of services and they'll be able to assess provide an assessment and link you to an appropriate referral. I can already tell Frank, we're, we're a good team with, with, with resources like this because um, I've got some of the information about um, availability. You mentioned 24 seven, that's Monday through Friday. They're available um, from nine to five, 24 seven for mental health emergencies. And let mm-hmm. me get that number out again. I think it was on the bottom of our screen, 916-875-1055. That's 916-875-1055. 
there's a toll free number for the Sac County Mental Health Mental Health Access Team, and it's eight 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 one four eight eight one. I repeat that for our podcast listeners: eight 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 one four eight eight one. Really appreciate it, Frank. Appreciate you bringing that, man. Before we get out of here, a couple other questions. If you got time, you, can you handle it? Can you? Yes. Yes. Really appreciate it. You, you've you. been so helpful. I, I would think that sometimes a grandparent who's been entrusted with the care of their grandchildren might also be facing estrangement from their adult children. And I was drawn from some per, some personal experience there. I know a little bit about family dynamics and it can get kind of rough sometimes. So I was putting myself in the in the seat of a grandparent. You might have to care for a grandchild because something's broken down with what the parent can do. Um, due to a variety of factors. Can you offer some tips for dealing with that, Frank, for grandparents to help heal those relationships within the family? Yes. Um, it's oftentimes, it's difficult for the parent who lose their children uh, to have resentment towards the grandparents who are able to care for their children and provide that stability that the child needs. Um, what would be an important first step for the relationship is for both parties to respect one another boundary and the rules that are in place. Other tips include encouraging communication between the grandchildren and their parents, being available and present during visitation, offering the parents to come to family counseling to discuss feelings and emotions that are difficult to manage and will pass. That's a really good set of tips. And you began that one, Frank, with words that are going to stick with me. You said in order to provide what the child needs. And that's what this is all about. Parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, whoever, we should all be focused on what the child needs first, I think, and then put our our family stuff on the back burner. And a part of giving them what they need is for us grown folks to figure it out, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it, again, it's all about the children um, at this point. Um their stability, their success moving forward. Yeah. And I don't mean to oversimplify it, but I think mm-hmm. we grown folks should be able to figure it out when we're looking after little ones. They can't always do that by themselves. So we got to step in and do what we need to do. Exactly. Really, really appreciate it, Frank. <laughs> you know, you're on the, you're an associate marriage. I'm sorry. You're a marriage and family therapist uh, trainee with hereyou.org. You're on the front lines with families all the time. So I couldn't let you get away without just asking the question, have we missed anything? And if so, what have we missed? Are there any other issues related to grandparents managing family crises or caring for their grandchildren for possibly the very first time? Any other issues related to any of that that you'd like to touch on before we let you go? Yeah, this one uh, area is the self-care to grandparents. Um, it takes, again, it takes a village to raise children. Um, in the case of grandparents themselves, they usually are the last line of relatives to care for the grandchild. Uh, so in order for the grandparents to care for the grandchildren, they need self-care themselves. So it's important for the grandparents to find some free time for self-care. For example, while the child is in school, the grandparents are doing an enjoyable activity to kind of decrease in, uh, you know, the stress and anxiety of managing a child. Um, it's also physically exhausting. So, you know, find time to rest. Um, also, respite care is available, too, um, if the child is in, um, came through the Child Protective Services. There are additional services that are available 
two children and their guardians and providers to support the guardians and providers in caring for the child. That was really insightful, Frank, because I think that grandparents, that that's of a generation that we weren't talking about self-care. They weren't talking about self-care back then. That's a generation of people that were taught to care for other people. And it's mm-hmm. been fairly recently that we've begun to realize you got we got to care for ourselves. And that whole conversation about self-care, I think, is probably for younger people like you and me. If you're a grandparent, I don't know that that's first and foremost on your mind. So really appreciate you touching on that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Michael. Frank, this has been an amazing uh, conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I did. I did. I was glad to be here and I'm really thankful I'm able to be a service. And so does that mean you'll be a service again? Can I invite you back and you'll say, yeah? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'll I'll be available. (laughs) Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Frank Peace Jr., a marriage and family therapist, trainee with one of our value production partners, hearyou.org. Thanks a lot, Frank. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. And I want to thank someone else, the sponsor for this particular video and all of the videos and podcasts in our Parents and Caregiver series. That sponsor is Blue Shield of California and specifically their Blue Sky Initiative. That initiative boosts access to mental health support. And you can learn all about that fantastic initiative at bluesky.blueshieldca.com. That's bluesky.blueshieldca.com. Another website I'll tell you about really quickly, our own, brotherbewell.com. If you've enjoyed this video or podcast, got something out of it, and you want to see or hear a little bit more about topics like this or any one of a number of behavioral health topics for boys and men of color, check us out at brotherbewell.com. We define boys and men of color as uh, 12 and up, Asian and Pacific Islander, Native and Indigenous, Latinx, and African American, boys and men, and the LGBTQIA plus community members who enhance those cultural communities. There's something for all of those folks, right? At brotherbewell.com. Check it out. We're a membership supported service. Memberships are free. So you can sign up for a membership. Do that right now at brotherbewell.com. While you're there, sign up for the blog and you'll get notifications. We just need your email address there and you'll get notifications when videos or podcasts just like this one go live on the platform. Check it all out at brotherbewell.com. My name again, Michael P. Coleman. I'm the content director for Brother Be Well, and I want to ask you to do two quick things for me before I let you go. Why don't you take great care of yourself? And we're trying to do everything we can to help you do that. When you get that down, find somebody that needs a little help with you and take great care of them too. Until next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Brother Be Well podcast. I'm Leon Guidry. Shout out to our sponsor, Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative. It takes a village, and we're doing our part to address and heal trauma while supporting parents and caregivers along the way. Thanks for stopping by, and remember, my brothers, be well.